Welcome to the Yes Chef Podcast, the Hell's Kitchen Recap Podcast, straight from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Benjamin Powell, and joining me today is a strong black woman who always has a crown on her head, Heather Nicole Smith. <laughs> that is correct. All of it's correct. Well, we never we never joke about anything here on Reality TV Warriors. Oh, never. Oh. We are serious. We are a serious Hell's Kitchen podcast that talks about the facts. Yes. Nothing else. <laughs> anyway, previously on Hell's Kitchen, Danny clashed in a major way with Red Team's newest member, Hassan, asking him to take a backseat, which caused even more clashing. In the Holiday Platter Challenge, Hassan scored major points with his Cinco de Mayo Sope, while Alan's Compuero hurt the Blue Team, and Kevin's Mardi Gras Jambalaya did similarly well, giving the Red Team the win. At the family night dinner service, while the Red Team was a dysfunctional mess, Kevin caused problem after problem, and was eventually kicked out of Hell's Kitchen for good, which didn't help the Blue Team at all, who were also kicked out of service. Ashley had Jackie's back during nomination discussion, but knifed her in the back in front of Chef Ramsay by naming her the weakest chef. But the majority of the red team end up nominating Manda and Christian, while the blue team nominated Alan and Joe. Alan was eliminated, Christian and Joe were sent back to their teams, but Manda was sent to the blue team to even the playing field. And that was previously on Hell's Kitchen. I didn't actually notice the Ashley-Jackie thing last episode. Was I okay during that? Jeez. Uh, I think it was just something minor that was brought up so that um, the, the it, would explain thing, the, yeah. it would explain the next few minutes of the episode. I think I was just assuming she was talking about Kristen, I guess, at the end of it, because it didn't really focus on who she said. Yeah, it's, it's possible. They manipulate a lot of this stuff in the show. So. Yeah, who knows? To, to suit the editing purposes, like... Like in episode two, they singled out Shakino's dish as being particularly bad, so they could justify her boot in the next episode. So yeah, you know. they they have a reason to frame the mindset of everyone. Like the next two minutes of the episode, we find out that according to Jackie, Ashley showed her true colors today. And pet peeve of mine, saying someone showed their true colors is possibly my least favorite phrase in reality television. Like alongside, I'm not here to make friends. Yeah, I think I think technically you like hear that too somewhere in this episode or some kind of variation on it. But the true colors thing is kind of like, oh, unless you're being creative with it, then. And let's talk about someone and how their um, true colors aren't part of any rainbow you've ever seen. Like, say, a certain, a le- a certain lesbian from an old Survivor season. Probably. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you hear it a lot on, um, on like, public vote reality shows where someone's, um, it's implied that someone is fake and to sh- to, for them to show a different personality trait, oh, oh, that true colors have finally come out. Cindy Lauper should have, like, royalties on that phrase, to be honest. Yeah, every time. Yeah, I bet she watches Big Brother a lot. <laughs> cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Shout out to Cindy Lauper. And uh, this is a very uncomfortable scene because all it is is really Jackie bu- literally bullying Ashley for a good portion of it. Yeah, it's like you're making yourself look like amazing. To be fair, I think Ashley was kind of mostly deflecting it most of the time. So it 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 looks more once it looks so one-sided on Jackie getting pissed off. Well, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Have fun. Yeah, I bet if there was a miscongeniality for this season, Jackie, she'd be a f- huge front runner in that. <laughs> like, it's a really tough call. You know, you could go with Amanda, the sweet 30-year-old um, mother of three who has um, shown to be so strong and so ostracized by her team. Or, you know, you got Jackie. It's a tough call, a really tough call. I wonder if that's why they don't have, like, any kind of congeniality slash popularity slash whatever poll on Hell's Kitchen. And Jackie would just run away with it every time. Jackie is always the winner. Everything. She even won the season one congeniality poll. I have a source. 
is a marinara sauce. I never tell my secret. Yeah, par- and uh, she, as well as winning Miss Congeniality, she uh, she's apparently winning at Friendship as well because uh, Ariel's friends with her. And uh, look, I don't, I don't judge Ariel for it because it seems to be like that sort of uh, Ariel is just the only one who sort of tolerates her. So sort of like, yes, Jackie, you do your thing and I'll sit here and nod. I think I... I- Looking back on, like, a lot of things, I wonder if I knew, like, a Jackie, but I was just like, yeah, whatever, because sometimes I just don't care. And I wonder if Ariel is kind of like that. Ariel, Ariel, either way you spin it, she probably should have been Blackjack at Pick of Ours, because <laughs> we're, just, we're just on fire with those this week, <laughs> this season. <laughs> at least we didn't choose, like, Kevin. Would have been bad. Mm, yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. Next morning, they are woken up by Christina, which I would like to be as well. Random calls from Christina. A random call at 5 a.m. from Christina telling me to get out to the front lawn. I'd do it, but, you know. She's scary when she's mad, of course. Hmm. You don't want to make her mad. Either way, they're taken to a uh, fields market where they have to gather ingredients via lettered shopping trolleys as a team to spell out five ingredients they want to use as a team. And interesting challenge. That is... The most amount of shopping carts I have ever seen in my life, and I work at a store. One thing I did notice about this challenge was that there were actually, like, there was a fair few cars driving around in the background, and it got me wondering... Where the fuck were they? Not not really that. Not really that, but, like, more, more like, like, driving along. If you're living in L.A., if you're driving along randomly, you go through up by a supermarket, and um, you see a bunch of, like... You see, like, 12 chefs and an entire camera crew and running around gathering shopping trolleys at, like, 7 a.m. or something, or 7, 6, 7 a.m. Is that, like, oh, they're filming another reality show, or what the hell? I just, is it a normal thing to, to like, drive through Los Angeles and, and occasionally see a reality show filming? The new season of Survivor is looking rather great. It would probably be what their minds are going. <laughs> that makes no sense, but okay. And during the challenge, the red team lose track of their S's. And have to go from beat to beat. <laughs> You're just going to you know, beat, you Well, you know, considering the portion sizes they served when they're serving the Chef Ramsay, it's not, not too out of the ordinary. Yeah, but my favorite part is, like, the S cart being, that, like, perpetually, like, in the background of, like, oh, a lot just, of shots. I'll just shoot here, guys. It's just like, oh, my goodness. If they just turned around and just looked, be right there. That was hilarious. Oh, and I have to... I, is this something that you miss? Well, uh, the first part, but Marino just pushing out Marino at the cards is just so hilarious. And Christine, I wasn't a oh yeah that I wasn't a fan of uh, Hassan's baby bobbity baby bobbity boo thing because it was like very close to like Family Guy caliber of joking. So it was like yeah Hassan buddy. Yeah, well if you remove Hassan, it's still hilarious. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was funny apart from the the gleefully xenophobic joke. So yeah. Either way, they finish, they finish the challenge, and uh, they also get to choose individual ingredients to make their individual dish unique. And, you know, once they, if they, not, much, not really much interesting happens apart from, um, I'm going to do this. It might be risky, but it could help, it could impress Chef Ramsay times like six or something. And once, once again, as they're cooking, as they're back in Hell's Kitchen and cooking, and the, and they get the countdown, and miraculously, they all finish within the nick of time, which seems to happen a lot on Hell's Kitchen. I, I will say that one of my reactions whenever they were doing, like, the picking that one ingredient, the inner, like, retail person inside of me is like, you assholes are just running out of it without paying until I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> okay. Well, it's that part of me sorry. that's, like, trying to keep under control now because I've been doing that for, like, two years now. It's like, grr. 
I, do, I, I don't work in retail, but I do watch a lot of Project One Way, so I'm, I'm used to when a, whenever a uh, group of people on a reality show are running around a store but, and picking out stuff, they're usually paying for it at the end. So to see them just run out run out past the registers is like, what are you doing? Tim and Gunn's going to be so pissed. I mean, if you leave that place a mess, whoever has to clean it up is probably just as pissed, too. Because you do not live unless you have seen the fury of someone that just realizes that customers tend to leave stuff everywhere. I have. It contained a lot of swear words. Hell hath no fury like a retail manager scorned. Especially the ones that I work with. They are very intense. Anyway, back in Hell's Kitchen, the blue team start their dishes, and uh, Chad leads them off with his poached salmon, parsnip puree, and grapefruit fennel um, mignonette. According to Chef Ramsey, the puree is delicious, the salmon's cooked perfectly, but the rice is undercooked, so it only gets a three. It seems kind of lenient, in a way. Like, three. Yeah, the whole thing was lenient, like, you know... Yeah, if this would have been, like, the first challenge, that would have been, like, a two or something, I guess. The puree must have been really delicious or something, and the salmon yeah. must have been really good, because it, like, it was like the main centerpiece of the dish, and the rice was sort of like a side, so I guess if the, if the side is undercooked, it's not as bad as the salmon being, like, moldy inside or something? I don't know. I mean, no one gets like a one. That's the only score that we don't see is a one. But yeah, the lowest was the lowest was just a two. And uh, up after that is Eddie with his pan-seared salmon and white wine Swiss chard, which is cooked beautifully. So he gets a four, which also makes the end of the episode kind of kind of annoying. But you know, I shall not say too much on that. <laughs> uh, up next is Frank with his pan-seared salmon and brandy cream sauce. It's once again cooked beautifully, but too much cream, so he gets a three. It's how they do it in the Marines. True. Uh, Jared comes up next with his salmon, white rice, and orange fennel salad. Once again, again, it's the salmon is cooked beautifully, but the rice is plain, so he only gets a three. So apparently being plain and being uncooked is on the same level of badness to Chef Ramsay? In this challenge, it is. Arbitrary? What's that? Anyway, Manda comes up next with her first dish for the blue team, which is a pan-seared salmon with tomato fennel salad. And he loves the salad. He has no comments on anything else, so it gets a four. And apparently this, this deems her, according to Jared, worthy of joining the blue team. Welcome to the blue team. Apparently scoring higher than most of the people on your team so far is worthiness. This is probably the best she's ever done in a challenge as well, so... Oh yeah, true. I mean, it's not a little bit weird, like cornflakes scallops. And last but not least is Joe with his pan-seared salmon with creamy leeks and char. And according to Chef Ramsay, it looks simple, but delivers a delicious punch, so he gets a five. That's pretty amazing. And pretty annoying, because considering Joe is like Joe, and he's the, it's the first five of the season. Well... I mean, not the last, at least in this episode anyway, but still. I mean, I give credit when it's due. He's kind of been, like, annoying and stuff, but it's like, good job, you know. And after Joe's annoyingly good dish, we have the red team dishes. We're starting with Jackie. And uh, we don't know what she cooked, but because most of the time was spent, like, by Chef Ramsay going, what the fuck is that? Because it was something tiny with halibut. Oh, my goodness, Jackie. Uh, whatever it was, it was too small, so she gets a two. Well, we know why it was too small. It's because she overcooked, like, a good chunk of it, but the rest of it was fine. The problem is, is, like, why don't you just say that? I mean, you're going to get in trouble either way. Being a smartass is kind of a stupid move. As, you know, we've watched a lot of reality television, and we've both watched a fair bit of Hell's Kitchen, but, um, did it look like to you that she did might have said that she, um... Might have admitted what happened, but it was edited to make her look like a wisecracking smartass? 
Or do you think she really is just a wants, checking spot us? I wouldn't doubt it for a second if she did. And then added the, you know how I like the small portions thing as a kind of sarcastic thing to lighten up the mood? Because that just, just seems like Jackie. But it wouldn't have been interesting if she did. After Jackie's misfire is Ariel with her pan-seared halibut with a bacon fat vinaigrette with white wine for sweetness. And according to Chef Ramsay, it's one of the best dishes she's ever done. So she gets a five. Good job. Makes up for Joe. <laughs> After that is Hassan with his halibut with andouille sausage hash, which is missing a sauce, so he gets a three. Hassan's sort of like flatlining. Yeah, at the moment he's kind of, hopefully he hasn't peaked, because I know there's more to expect from him, but at the moment it, it does not seem like it. Hopefully. Anyway, after Hassan is Kristen with her almond and brown butter sauce, which, um, you know, that was the only thing highlighted, but I'm guessing it also comes with halibut and beets because halibut is the main dish of everyone. And Ramsey mentions right after that the beets are crunchy, but it's a solid four. So only one beet. The beets. <laughs> well, one-sixth of a beet. beet. After Kristen comes Danny with her halibut topped with apricot chutney, which is a tad too sweet, so she gets a free. Speaking of flatlining, Danny. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Danny. As highly entertaining of an episode it was last week, it wasn't a good episode for her chances. No, uh, but hopefully she'll turn it around a bit. Hopefully. I'm just saying that because she's like my prediction, so, in my prediction, so. Has there been a person in the season that's like gotten a good edit, I'd say? Amanda has gotten a sympathetic edit. But like, difference between sympathetic and good. Like, like, sympathetic's good, but like, um. I don't. I'd probably ask this. Has, um. Have there been any winners of Hell's Kitchen that have been shown to be, like, um, regular fuck-ups? At the beginning, yes. I mean, there's Scott. I'm pretty sure Nona had quite a bit of problems. Uh, Rock had a bit of a rocky bit at one point. <laughs> rocky. <laughs> I'll be over here if you need me. Um, Tip the waitress. But usually they're all around pretty good. I mean, I almost said Holly, but she she's pretty... She's pretty awesome, despite the fact that that red team was the regular fuck-up that season. But winners are allowed to make mistakes. If they grow from them, that's how they do it. I mean, there's quite a bit of different skill sets in winners as well. And, you know, not all of them are as dominant and as commandeering as, uh, as well, from last season. Yeah, last season, Megan was pretty... Yeah, I've seen clips of every season, but as the only... Full season, I've seen as last season. I don't have a, too much of a sample set to go off of. Yes, that season was kind of weird or unique because not only was Megan pretty commandeering, but so was T. T was amazing, too. And Michelle and Millie and yes. Nick as well. Yes, that season. Well, Nick had, Nick had, Nick had more fuck-ups at the start and Josh had more fuck-ups at the end, but yeah. Yeah, but... The top four, pretty strong. Very strong top four. And I don't know if there is quite a top four that's that strong. You know, it... I get it. I mean, I get that. it's much easier to name the completely dominant winners, and that would be like Michael from the first season. Uh, Dave Heather? Heather had some had a bit of a moment near the middle, but she wasn't like horrible. I'm mostly going off of her um, Wikipedia chart, basically, where it basically just points out that She's... compared to compared to Virginia, who got nominated a lot, she she didn't get nominated at all. Yeah, which is why I'm saying she's not. She didn't screw up a lot, but she didn't. But in the middle, she kind of got lost in the fold for a second when Keith Keith was kind of the big deal on that blue team for a while, until he started having a bit of a attitude problem, and even she saw that and she's like, "Yeah, 
So yeah, what I what I was getting at was um, it's I'm trying to, uh, it's hard to pick out in this cast at least someone who's getting a good all around consistent edit or at least um, it, compared to last season's winner, which I've been now informed is not really a good sample set to go off of. Oh no, <laughs> I I would like to say probably the closest one. I don't want to I don't want to say that. Ashley reminds me a bit of uh, someone, but I don't know who. I want to say Holly. But speaking of, isn't Ashley uh, did Ash- We didn't get Ashley. Yeah, Ashley's not. <laughs> yeah, up up last is uh last but not least is Ashley with her pantsuit halibut with sweet curry broth, which is a pretty bizarre combination. It works. Like fish fish and curry, but it works. Sweet and spicy and also aromatic and gets a 5. Which, if you're a mathematician, and if you are, why are you listening to a Hell's Kitchen podcast? <laughs> there's a, it's a tie between. There's a tie for points, which is settled by which team has the best dish overall. So both all the fives are brought forward, and the dish of the day ends up being Ashley with her sweet halibut and sweet curry broth, and that wins the red team their their first service in a while. Jeez, Ashley is on fire when it comes to these uh, challenges lately. Yeah, Ashley and Ariel have been a pretty good. Force, which is it's it is like kind of making me regret not putting Ariel on the, on my uh, black jacket picks. I mean, I thought where could you go wrong with Eddie? Oh wait, <laughs> I had a feeling about him, but we will. Anyway, the red team's reward is they get to go through a stunt plane flight experience, <laughs> flying over Los Angeles. Which, if that's all it is, it seems kind of lame. Acrophobic nightmare, by the way. I am terrified of heights. Yeah, and Hassan made a joke right afterwards, like, I'm very excited, they don't let my people on stump planes. <laughs> oh, so it was pretty funny, but it's like, sort of, it's sort of bad to retell, and sort of, it's kind of bad to retell, kind of bad to laugh at out of context, because it's like, it's the whole thing about being able to make a joke about your own stereotype. So like, I remember um, on the Teens React series, which is a YouTube series where teens react to stuff, uh, there was a... They'll react to a game, like, uh, I think it was Happy Wheels or something. The Flash game, which has a bunch of uh, courses you need to drive, you need to go through on a, on a little thing, and there's blood a lot of the time because everything's designed to kill you. And uh, one of the teams was this, uh, was this, uh, was, was this Middle Eastern uh, team called Habib, and um, on the same level, they got to drive a Santa Claus, and they made a joke about, he made a joke about Santa Claus not being real, and it's like, oh, crap, because it's like, it's like a mostly... Um, younger audience, so it's like, oh, crap. Probably shouldn't have said that. And then um, he ends up killing Santa Claus somehow on the course, and so he ended up making a joke like, oh, uh, first I said told everyone Santa Claus wasn't real, then I killed him. It's like, oh, everyone's going to be like, this Muslim hates Santa Claus. Next episode, next episode, this is going to be filmed in Guantanamo Bay. And it's like, oh, that's very funny, but I can't retell it because it's very racist if, I, if a white person retells it. Yes, that's the thing with that. It's just like, oh, my goodness, why is this a thing? <laughs> that was such a long tangent, but that's immediately what I thought of when I heard that joke. So Yeah. And during the reward, Ashley and Jackie make up, once again removing all rivalries from the show. That was very quick. Planes make everything better. Also, you can't smoke in the planes. Apparently, which everyone found hilarious because it's... I'm going. I'm putting that one out to editing because that seemed like a private joke told to the instructor and not the entire people there. Yeah. Yeah. It's still kind of like, oh gosh, yes. As a seasoned viewer of reality television, I need a season-long story, not just episode to episode things with tiny rivalries. I need something that lasts a while. There's probably one waiting in the wings. I honestly don't think we're done with Ashley and Jackie, to be honest. I hope so. I thought we wouldn't be done with Danny and Hassan, but they they were both basically invisible this week, so... And, uh, 
What I found with Jackie is, even though I dislike her on the on the show, she is entitled to one good line a week mm-hmm. or one good moment a week. And that this week it was, I literally thought I birthed a teenager in that thing. That's how much I was clenching. Jackie does have some good quotes. Good moments, good quotes. But at, at the very least. Yeah, her overall guest style was sort of like, uh, stop trying, please. That makes her a step above some people. Some people on the blue team. Yeah, I get what you mean. And the punishment for the blue team, speaking of, is they have to prepare ingredients for next night's uh, sangria, which I'm not really sure what that is, but I think it involves alcohol. Um, But they have to um, peel apples, quarter apples, dice apples, and do all those three things as well to the grapes. The only thing I know about sangria is that there is a Taco Bell in town. We have a Taco Bell. We have have two Taco Bells. Because why not? And uh, they actually have this special Mountain Dew called Sangria Blast, and it tastes amazing. And it tastes like it has oranges in it, too. I think it's like, from what I've got, I think, I think it's like a alcoholic fruit punch or something. Probably. I mean, obviously, the Mountain Dew isn't alcoholic, but yeah. I remember there was an episode of The Nanny from 20 years ago, which had... Uh, for Fran's mother's birthday, uh, Mr. Sheffield gave the, um, gave Fran an, a very good bowl of, bowl of wine to celebrate with. And the next scene, they're putting they're putting it in sangria. And then and then not, and then the butler walked in and was and like was horrified and was like, Miss um, Fine, I'm using using Mr. Sheffield's best whatever wine it was to make sangria is like is like uh, is like getting Pavarotti to sing Muskrat Love. And that makes no, and that makes no sense to me because it was twenty years ago and the humans have changed since then. But you get the idea. Apparently, it's it's alcoholic and it's got fruit in it. Yes, um, around Christmas time, uh, the bigger store, not my store, but the bigger store that we have here, Walmart. No one likes Walmart here. But anyways, they were actually selling this sparkling juice, and I drink sparkling juice because I don't drink alcohol. But they had some actual sangria tasting stuff, and it does have oranges in it, and. I, the thing is, I never heard the word orange in this entire show, which was weird. They seem to be, like, peeling a bunch of other fruit as well, but yeah. they just decided to mention the apples and grapes for some reason. Peeling grapes is apparently a hilarious punishment because they've used that before, like, but just solely peeling grapes. They used that in Season 9 to great effect, as in Natalie got pissed at all the grape jokes that Tommy was making and actually started throwing grapes at him. Natalie is amazing, by the way. If you do, whenever you watch Season 9... Just know that. I will keep it in mind when I get around to it in 2025 or whenever. She is an actual angel. My money is actually hedged on Elise being my favorite, but, you know, that's my taste. Or Jennifer. My favorite is Jennifer. Anyway, it gets around to pre-service where Jackie and Ariel fight over portion sizes because Ariel wants to stick to the recipe and Jackie does her measurements by eye. I get actually get Jackie's side, but she was doing it and she was trying to get her side across in the most obnoxious way that I was sort of like... Ariel's kind of got a point. Jackie's technically right, but Ariel's got a point. The thing is, is that some people are bad at innate measurements. There's a lot of people I know that can, like, keep time extremely well. Me, I have no concept of time whatsoever, as I've figured out over the years. I mean, no concept whatsoever. And I have a hard con- a hard amount concept with dealing with measurements as well. I can't, I don't understand inches as well as I could, centimeters, whatever the hell they're called, <laughs> whatever the hell measurement is happening. But I have a hard time distinguishing in- inches. Like, I can't, for the longest time, I wasn't even sure how tall I was. So you're not becoming a chef anytime soon? <laughs> hell no. 
Yeah, I get Jackie's point because, like, when you're working in the kitchen, when you're in a fast-paced environment, you don't really have time to uh, do like the me- you do like the things that come with the cups and the tablespoons and all that. You kind of just have to do it by whatever you have around you. Like when on on risotto recipes, they don't have it. Um, oh, add one cup. They have add one ladle full because a ladle is what you'll have nearby. So I can see that point, but to Ariel's credit, they are in pre-service. They have the time. They have the time to prepare all this stuff. It's basically you kind of want to not screw up service before it starts. Pretty much, which is a skill set I've I've seen is specific to uh, Michael. Although he screwed up during punishment, so Michael from last season. Oh God, I I, I hate him. It it takes a special person to screw up in pre-service, and it happens. Tiffany from season 10 kind of boned, uh, messed up something in pre-service that really bit her later. And and, and, it, and ultimately it ended up that she got kicked out of the kitchen by Andy. So Good riddance. Anyway, uh, Ramsey, Ramsey comes in during pre-service and wants Errol to lead, Hassan to cook with confidence, and Jared to attack service. So pretty much nothing actually. Anyway, under service, onto Hell's Kitchen service. And after that boringness, service finally starts. And on each station we have table side we have Kristen and Joe serving the uh whatever they're serving. I didn't I think attention. it was octopus. It's octopus. That's a good thing to serve. On apps we have Ariel and Jared. On garnish we have Jackie and Eddie. On fish we have Hassan and Frank. On meat we have Danny and Chad, and on dessert we have Ashley and Manda. Go team. And, well, this is the first time they actually finished service, both teams, so... Or the, f- the first time that no one's kicked out, maybe, possibly? Well, they both finished service, and that's kind of new. No one got kicked out. Yeah, no no team got kicked out. So on the red team, Ariel gets out of good risotto on, on, from the starting gate, but uh, Hassan holds them back after sweating into the lobster. Oh, jeez. That seems like a one at once every few seasons thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Tom is from season two is probably the first and more forefront examples and probably the most infamous because he's very unlikable. And even he's even been made as a joke. Like Heather even said in, during a punishment, she's like, I'm sweating like Tom. And you have like this flashback of Tom sweating in the food. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is your legacy, Tom. Uh, as a restaurant customer, a potential restaurant customer, I don't know, I I, I Make a, I don't put it in my resume that I'm a restaurant I'm a restaurant customer, but like um, like that is the I can understand a bunch of things. I can understand like a, a band aid being left in the food, a hair being left in the food, but sweat into a food. Like if I found out that someone had sweat into my food, I'll probably go up to the I'll probably like storm the kitchen and punch the chef out because that is the one line you do not cross with my food. You would take a band aid in your food. I wouldn't take it. I understand how that could happen, but like sweating into the food, there's no no excuse for that. No, not really. Especially when there's like bandanas everywhere, which is then encouraged to put on. Yeah, and he does. By saying I encourage, I mean it's it's yelled at him by Chef Ramsay. Well, that's encouragement. And they finally do get out their first risotto while Ramsay shades Hassan, saying to Ariel that it's always a good sign of a great leader to support the weakest link. I find that funny because he was put over to the red team in the first place because they needed a leader. And now, womp womp, weakest link. Weakest link. Going into that tailspin. It's not a good sign for our black jacket predictions, actually. 
Hopefully the other part will make it. And then uh, Jackie ends up not being able to communicate with her team, so uh, Danny ends up overcooking a New York strip because of the timing issues. And I thought that bit was very interesting because it was Danny who technically screwed up, but Jackie's the one who's made a subject of the blame by the edit. It wasn't even close to like a, um, oh, everyone hates Jackie thing because everyone hates poor, unfortunate Jackie thing because Jackie is not poor and unfortunate. Yeah. So it's like, um, it's, it was framed as more of a Jackie's fault sort of thing rather than either A, Danny actually screwing up, or B, everyone picking on Jackie for this, this slight. You know, I bet with the edit, Danny probably just got as much as Jackie. Because the thing about Garnish is that you really do have to communicate with people. I mean, it's the side they have to go out together, as well as with fish. Because fish can also be a protein for uh, dishes. And if someone isn't talking, then that's where it starts breaking down. And it doesn't let up, because Jackie's still overwhelmed later in the service, and actually asks for help, but... You know, when Hassan's like, um, someone helped Jackie out, she's overwhelmed. And she's like, I'm not overwhelmed. No, I'm not overwhelmed at all. And uh, even because because of this uh, communication issues and because of her being overwhelmed, she ends up sending up two little fries to Danny's New York strip, which Kristen also later gets blamed for because she's been ru- she's apparently rushed into, this, rushed into the kitchen to help. Yeah. So the table side people, do they generally, like, hover around the kitchen until they need to be on the table side? I think for Tableside, once they get, like, the apps done or the apps that they got done, or if they don't have apps set out for them, they do float in kitchen. So, basically, you just have two two people that are just technically not on a station at one point, but they're supposed to, like, help. And Like dessert? Yeah, dessert is basically, that's basically what that is, because... Dessert isn't dessert isn't until the end of the night. Yes, dessert isn't important until the end of the night. Meanwhile, on the blue team, Ramsey um, talks to Jared about how he learned kitchen communication in French, which was also at the start of the season. So Jared apparently starts saying we all the time. And it's like, say, I, I like the narration. Apparently he starts spouting out in French. I'm like, he just says one word. Calm down. It's probably the only word he knows. A lot of the reactions seem like... Um, Either they're really over the top to what to the minor thing he was doing. It was like last season with um, Allison saying all day all the time, which is apparently a, a, a common thing to say in kitchens anyway, because I've heard a few times this season, I think. Yeah. Frank's thing seemed to be about something else. Otherwise, he has a very unstable sense of um, interacting with people. And, you know, you know how much we love Frank on this podcast? Social skills. Got to learn them. Do they not teach him in the Marines? Well, I will say that the service people that I know, they can be a bit over the top at times. And even when you don't expect it. Because, I mean, I I know it's a lot of uh, people to generalize. And usually differences may vary. But from what I understand, it's extremely over the top at times. Especially to people that aren't used to it. Because I'm kind of used to it. So I'm just like, well, he seems he seems rather normal, <laughs> which might be more of a uh, my problem than anyone else's problem. Let me just get that straight. <laughs> and speaking of people who aren't normal, Joe struggles to find the diners he's supposed to be serving tableside and gets yelled at by Chef Ramsay because his jacket is filthy, and um, he gets he gets subject to the annual. Um, Ramsey yells at a chef to get out, except the ad break happens, and then they come back and say, oh, not really, it's not really happening. It's like told to get get out and get a new jacket. 
and then come back. That was an interesting thing. I mean, it takes a special soul to mess up Tableside. Ah, uh, if only there was someone we repeatedly mentioned on this podcast that it is also screwed up Tableside. <laughs> Raj. And later on, Eddie struggles with garnish, and apparently it results in Frank overcooking his fish, which is a thing that happened that's happened multiple times this episode because Danny and Jackie. That's like the same thing, except for switch meat with fish. Except the one difference was it's just like on the blue team, it was very like weird sequence. It just felt like very spliced together. I know a lot of I know all reality television is spliced together to fit in for, to fit a few days into forty minutes, but it just seemed to like um it seemed to be more of an excuse as to why Eddie's going home this episode rather than a thing that actually happened. The thing with the Eddie thing, I thought it was kind of weird, but apparently he's been struggling. That's more later on, but like that's another that's another thing that was just like taken out of midair. It's like oh okay, that's the thing now apparently. I just wish they kind of showed it a bit more. I mean, it, to me, most of his confessionals has been not about that. It's just like, okay. Either way, Frank refires a char and sends it up, sends up the ticket with Eddie, but the chicken next that's going to go to the special guest star from CSI, I've never, seen, I've never heard of, comes up and Chad sends it out raw. So Ramsey ends up making the entire team sit down at the VIP table in front of the raw chicken and ask who would eat that. And, um... You know, at the points made, and then Ramsey ends up making Chad have to have to scream, "I need one more minute on the chicken!" It's heaps of times, so yeah, it doesn't seem like the kind of person who really uh, yells. Chad, at least, Chef Ramsey. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that that apparently isn't much of a yeller. People or people who can't yell. You know, they sound weird when they yell. I'm one of them. Don't get me wrong. I get self-conscious when I yell. That's why I sort of like just sort of lean closer into the mic when I want to speak louder or imitate yelling. Or I just do like a sort of strange voice where I sound like I'm yelling. The best I can do is project my voice, and I've and I've figured that out while I was in JRTC. Either way, both teams end up finishing service, but neither teams are named the winner. But we get the reemergence of Best of the Worst. Hello. Which I haven't seen at, on a season I've seen apart from um, well, I did see it when I watched an episode of Hell's Kitchen season one with Elsie, but I haven't seen Best of the Worst yet. Which is basically the same thing? Best of the worst. That is what Elsie was. It's basically someone who has nominated to be a leader to nominate two people. And in this case, it's Ariel and Jared, which is Ariel for the red team and Jared for the blue team. And like you said, they have to pick two nominees from their teams for, for elimination. It's slowly... I think it slowly got phased out, mostly because Ramsey would probably rather see a team working as a team and not just rely on one person to do like the nominations i think that's how that's why that got phased out so this is kind of weird but i kind of get it for like a one-time gimmick i think they brought it back in season 11 i might be wrong i i'm probably am but i I think they brought it back for like a recent season for kind of the same thing i like it what i've seen so far it's like i mean i wasn't far i wasn't a fan of when jared got the um got the godfather edit where it's like um basically when, it's a tried and true reality tv trope that whenever a whenever a guy who's bored or a guy who's fat gets power he's like um and people have to talk to him he's like immediately gets like the godfather music behind him and it's like um he's treated as the godfather or he calls himself the godfather and so like that happens a, it happens a lot but not as much as not as not too much to get tried well as tried as you can get in reality television well the editor sure had fun with that Let's just get that right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like the music and everything. It's just like, 
they must have fun whenever, like, um, you know, whenever some guy gets in power and, like, someone refers to him as Godfather, the, um, yeah, the editors going through the episode must be like, oh? <laughs> we will have fun with this day. Either way, he sing- singles out Eddie for lack of communication on garnishes, but apparently he's been struggling thus far, which doesn't match up to anything we've seen in the past five episodes. So what's the deal, Jared? It is entirely possible that he is struggling, but because there were more... Well, the thing was, is that aside from like the first service where Mark went home, who was very uninspired, and then the next two where the blue team dominated for a while... And only when Hassan got transferred do we start to really see who is the weak ones. And once we get rid of the obvious one who was kind of out of his depth, Kevin, and then we got rid of Alan, who was um, Alan. Alan. (laughs) We're on the same wavelength. For all we know, Eddie could have been struggling, but he wasn't the worst. The thing is, though, he's been given, like, a a fairly positive edit so far. Like, he's been shown to be funny. He's been shown to, like, um... I know he's been a bit of a womanizer, but it's, like, comparatively not to the same level as other womanizers and sexists in the show, past, present, and, you know, obviously future. He probably, you know, I don't think he's that bad. My theory is sort of just, like, it's sort of a thinly veiled thing to, like, get Eddie out as a threat for Jared. Maybe. Because, you know, people seem to treat this show as, like, an episode-by-episode basis rather than a continual thing unless you screw up a lot. But, like, at least as far as the show's gone, Eddie's only had one episode. It was this It was this episode where he's massively screwed up. So it's just, it vibes as more like Jared getting out a threat to me than, like, um, Jared getting out someone to strengthen the team. Because, like, it's it, the format of the show means that even if a team massively screws up, they'll always bail them out. Like, it's not like, it's not like Survivor where, you know, um, they'll let a tribe go down to one person. It's like, you know, every time, every time there's, there's a two-person difference, they just send someone over from the other team. The problem with that theory, um, while it's a very nice one, is that this is a one-judge-to-rule-them-all format. The person that goes home is not at all decided by other people. It never is, except for in season one, but <laughs> that's because that's a weird season, so let me just... Remove that season first from this conversation. But if, as in season four, first uh, nomination, one of the first nominations for the red team, or one of the first nominations, was uh, Corey trying to get out her two biggest competitors, including uh, future season four winner Christina. Ramsey saw through that, and he instantly got rid of Sharon, who was the weakest. But he also did nominate Joe, who was the weakest. But like, yes. Uh, it just seems it, incons- it just seems really inconsistent and weird, and it doesn't really explain why Eddie got eliminated. Jackie did the exact same mistake that Eddie did, but, he, but she screwed up worse. Yeah, the the thing with the lack of communication with someone cooking fish or meat, and she screwed up worse and more often than he did in the show. That we saw. That's the problem, really, is that we saw. And Joe got nominated even though he was on table side. I mean, if that happens, if that happens, if you screw up table side, like you. You should really just go home immediately. That's like the easiest one. You barely even have to deal with the kitchen. That's probably the reason why he didn't go home, to be honest, is because he didn't exactly screw up tableside in a way, but he's still kind of a weak. Well, it was slow and he couldn't find a table and he was he had terrible ter- presentation. Yes, but he didn't actually flat out ruin food. But and he's not he's not going to win Hell's Kitchen. He's not. But by this point, Ramsey knows what's going on. So he's eventually, they aren't going to make it to the end. And that's the confidence that I have because I've 
I know what's going on. But the thing is, is uh, we are presented how many minutes? 45? Yeah, 44, 45, 44, 45 minutes. 44, 45 minutes of something that's happened within one or two days. It just seemed weird. Like, I mean, even to everyone, it must be obvious right now, this very second, that Joe is not winning Hell's Kitchen. So why not just double the nation? Because that's not where it's going to go. Yeah, I guess so. Sorry, I just yeah, with where this, with where this episode is gonna go, it's just I'm not pl- I'm not pleased with the outcome really, considering that there are sparse members of the blue team to really root for, and one of them just got eliminated. That's why we have the red team. You get where I'm coming from, there, right? Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. And in uh in aerial news, uh she confronts Jackie about her ego and basically tells her she's being nominated, but because. Jackie won't admit she was overwhelmed during service, and Jackie thinks it's because she won't do what Ariel says, which is pretty telling. I don't exactly know what to say, except for Ariel's right. She should get nominated because, well, according to what we saw, she should get nominated. The more surprising thing is who didn't get nominated. It is a bit weird, because, like, um, it was a weird thing, but, like, like I was saying, I'm, there are reasons that there are going to be reasons why Chef is nominated that aren't in on the show, like with Eddie's nomination. But like, um, it's like, it was sort of like a you know how um in have you ever seen Community? Well, there's an episode of uh, Community where there's an entire subplot that happens in the background. Like, there's not even there's not even a dialogue. It's like one of the characters actually gets up with like a um a husband and wife and ends up delivering her baby or something like that. But it's all all happens in the, in the background of the episode. It's sort of like, Errol Ar- sent to nominate Kristen for something that happened in the background of the episode. It was like, we saw that Kristen was helping out Jack and the Fries, but like, it didn't seem too much of a reason on television to really nominate her. It's a thing. Yeah. And that's the only reason we're really given with her. I mean, Kristen's kind of like in a weird situation, because last episode she got nominated too, but the reason that was given was that she didn't like call back an order right, which was in a different service. It seems weird, because, like, she's not really given too much content of her own rather than commenting on other people. So, it's not like Christine from last season, where you know she's a, not that good a chef on the show, and you see it repeatedly, and eventually gets, she gets... And she eventually gets eliminated in ninth place. But, like, here it's like we hear about it rather than seeing it. We see, we see one thing several episodes ago where she can't call back an order. Yes, and we and we know it specifically from that service too, because the writing could be seen at the end of that elimination. <laughs> they sometimes do that. They they might do like they might splice sometimes from stuff that has happened because they have slipped up before and have added like there's this one in season six. Yes, season six where we had like a shot of a uh, tech. I think it was tech, except for tech had been anomal uh, eliminated like. Two episodes ago. It's like the part of Survivor Samoa in the Final Trouble Council where you see Brett make a joke on the jury and then you see a shot of the jury laughing, but off to, slightly to the right, you can actually see Brett sitting there, so that's obviously not laugh, Brett laughing at his own joke, unless he's actually a CGI character. We wouldn't know anything about that. But yeah, she um, we get some pretty great quotes from Ariel during her Reign of Terror, which is, uh first one is, uh, I personally don't feel any type of way about anybody in this bitch. I need to use that, actually. It's very close to the I'm not here to make friends thing. Except for it's creative, so that's... One thing yeah. One thing you give Ariel is that she has some creative turn of phrase. That's something. I am very indifferent about you people here. That sounds like some kind of something I'd say. Holy shit. 
And second of all, we get, uh, well, thanks for noticing, sweetheart. I'm a strong black woman. There's always a crown on my head. What does that even mean? I don't even really get what that means. Well, the strong black woman thing is a... You know, well, yeah. Is a phrase that can be attributed to a strong black woman as herself. I will not deny it. She is... Strong? Yes. The crown on her head thing was kind of the part that I don't get. I've never heard that before in my life. So, she's a trendsetter. Yeah, that was, that's just a bit of a befuddlement, but, like, very amusing and... But very amusing befuddlement. Anyway, nominations nominations come up, and uh, Ariel nominates Jackie for the screw-ups entirely throughout Garnishing, and Kristen, but uh, Kristen's nomination is given the uh, WTF is she nominating her for edit. You see a bunch of gratuitous eye rolls and, and uh, Ramsey exasperation, although I bet he does that for everyone. Like, even if it's obvious, just, just, just in case it needs to happen. Like, um, Chef, I'm not, uh, Chef uh, we just, our team nominated uh, Mark. Mark? Are you serious? Are you seriously nominating Mark? Even though it's pretty obvious that Mark is the worst person there and needs to go. Yes. Uh, I, it might be. I, I don't know. Because something tells me that Ramsey wears his, like, emotions on his sleeve. Uh, in this case, first and foremost, he is A, a television, a, a reality television host, and B, he's also like someone who needs to contribute content. So that I guess that is always in the mind, as well as the um, wearing your emotions on your sleeve thing. I mean, it's basically from from one to Andrea nominated Paula. How, what the F is your nominations tonight? Basically, I don't know who those people are, but I gotcha. Uh, season five, Andrea won a uh, a pass to the final to not get eliminated that night, but she did horrible in that service. Ramsey still decided to honor that deal, but she still had to nominate someone, so she nominated Paula, who was awesome that night. So Chef Ramsey was just like, "Well, this will be quick," and then Paula just had like two words came out of her mouth and he's like yep back in line no one decided to get eliminated but that was because uh robert uh had to get medevaced from that season at that time so it wasn't like crazy i guess you. and on the blue team jared has decided to nominate eddie and joe and we hear they're um pleased to stay and unfortunately eddie's gone i will say that Kristen didn't even get a chance to even plead why she should stay. Ramsey immediately sent her back in line. You didn't hear anything from her. He's like, Kristen, pause. Back in line. So something tells me that she was not expected to be up there. He was probably expecting Hassan. Hassan or Danny? Yes, one of those two. And unfortunately, we do lose Eddie. We do also lose one of our Black Jacket predictions. Yeah, I'm just on fire with those. Ten points all around. We've still got five left, and if we was if we were still if we were still having to do our predictions, I'd probably put in Ariel now because she is seen she does seem to be like getting a a a dearth of content right now. And uh, either either way, Eddie's gone, and he predicts that the blue team the blue team's going to go down in flames, and that someone from the red team will win. I'm enjoying that prediction personally. I do too. I hope it includes him. I hope it includes Manda. Yeah. Although it probably will be a son. Probably not. Either way. Next time on Hell's Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen hosts a wedding. Wonder whose? It is a it is a mystery. Well, I guess we better tune in 
next time, you never know who's going to show up. Mm. And either way, we get we get a bit more content than last week because we hit we see Red Team getting sent to the pantry again. Uh, Frank and Amanda have a fight. Ariel apparently does something to her, her ankle because she's being like carried through a walkway. <laughs> but that could, that could possibly be like a, a you know a whole a whole thing on the on the wedding thing, but it also could be Ariel injured. That would be not the first time a contestant has carried another contestant for reasons. So uh, now that we're now that we're you know done with the done with the black jacket predictions, and since we've lost already lost one, we're so good at that. Um, I think the only two real questions we have to answer for ourselves and um, um, who do you think next the next boot is going to be? I want to say Joe, but as much as I love to say Joe, I will say Joe. <laughs> and I mean, part of me wants to say Joe just so it happens, but it won't happen. But if it doesn't happen because I say Joe. Then I'm like thinking, well, maybe I should say someone else. So if it is Joe, I'll be like, oh wow, I am so surprised. So you think you think Joe's going to be eliminated? He's going to be eliminated. Yes, he is going to be eliminated at some point. Do you want Joe to be eliminated next? Yes. Hopefully it'll happen then, because I'm pretty much the same. But Joe's, ac- Joe's across the board. Always, you can't always get what you want. If you try real hard, you get what you need. Well, I need Joe to be eliminated. I need Joe to be eliminated. So. Let's get that happening, powers that be. And uh, the, I think the last thing we have to really have to think on is who do we, who do we think is going to be the winner of Hell's Kitchen at this point? Well, anything could happen, and that is the second song I've quoted in this very short amount of time. I think we have. I don't even. Let's put it this way: next day is. Do you think that Eddie's prediction that the, the blue team will crumble and the red team will come out on top will win? Well, is going to um, is going to hold true. Mm, maybe. Do you think um, he's right, or do you think he's, do you think it's he's right in that saying that the winner will come from the red team, or do you think it's misdirection and the winner will come from the blue team? Man, I once fell into this trap during Survivor when it was basically hinted that well, throughout the episodes that the winner is on this tribe, and I was like, Oh, Lindsay. So, part of me wants to say yes because now I'm conditioned to think that, and part of me wants to say no because. It's crazy. You know, sometimes I can't tell if I'm wrong or if I'm right. Eddie's edit was, like, more about, like, he, he was he was in the episode to give a good line. He wasn't really shown to be, like, a fuck-up chef like Kevin was or Joe is or Alan was or Mark was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, so is, there, is there really much of a reason to doubt him? He was basically, like, the gym of this season, as in season six, Jim, I think that's his name, because Jim was kind of funny, but he eventually got sent away around the same spot as Eddie. So, honestly, part of me wasn't really surprised that he left this early. I get you. But the other part of me was like, what? I don't know. I think so, though. I think we can trust Eddie on this, because it's like throughout the season, he made some comments about, you know, women being hot and stuff, and then he's like, winner's going to be on that red team. I'm like... Oh, that's interesting because like, like he he even like um he was the one that says great now now that man is on a ten it's level playing field so it's like he's the rare mild sexist in reality television that both ogles hot women but also appreciates the fact that they are competent cooks. He just needs to get a date apparently is what I'm getting at. So do you think that so so will the winner be Jackie Ashley Danny Hassan or who, I can't remember who else on the red team? Do you reckon it's going to be one of the people on the red team? Smooth. Um, yes. And who? I'm leaning towards someone. I'm kind of leaning towards 
Ashley, actually. That one actually makes sense, considering that she's had, like, the least amount of negative content so far. She's she's had a net positive so far because she's been good at service, good at challenges. She got, she got like, her... She got her own thing in the magazine last week, and she's also been a victim to um, Jackie's annoying bullying. That's the thing that kind of draws me to her in a way, is that the fact that the worst that the winners of all their seasons, all the worst I'd say that the winners have been, as in, as, and worse I say, worse as in not boring is not considered worse. I'd say they, the worst that they've been is arrogant. Not in huge spades. They seem to be very level-headed. I say seem because you never know. But they seem to be very grounded. And I'm getting that vibe from her. I get that too. Like, um, if I had to pick, if I had to pick someone from the red team to win, it would probably be be Ashley. I at least who I think will win. I mean, I think at the current part, she's one of the strong contenders in my book. I mean, she's one of our black jacket predictions since like. Episode one. So who do, who do you want to win then? Well, no, I want her to win so I can be right. <laughs> I would not mind. Good, good logic. <laughs> I like being right, so screw that. Um, I would like her to win, yes, and I would like Manda to win at one point. If not, then Manda would be someone who I'd like to see win. She's very sweet and mother's three. Same on both fronts for me as well. Yeah. Ashley would be a good choice who I think would win. Amanda with Ashley as a second would probably be my who I'd want to win. I mean, like, there's some characters I like more than Ashley. Like, Danny is so, Danny was sort of a fantastic last episode. Ariel's sort of great all around. And Hassan's sort of still a bit entertaining, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, as for who I want to win, I think it's really Ashley. So we've got our winner predictions. Ashley and Amanda. Ashley if Eddie's right. Amanda if Eddie's wrong. There we go. Because... I don't know if anyone from the blue team, aside from, well, original blue team, let me just say that. Aside from Jared? Jared has been, yeah, Jared. I don't know if I would like to call him grounded at some point, but he seems very... They're making fun of him a lot. That He's like my top contender, but that's not really saying much, considering the caliber of the blue team thus far. I mean, they've... I'm... Like, Frank's an, Frank's an arsehole, Chad's invisible, Jared's seen as arrogant and been making fun of him, and I've... I've forgotten who the fourth guy is. Oh, Joe. Joe. <laughs> um, and, and the less they about Joe, the better. Joe, J- Joe, Jared, Chad. Joe, Jared, Chad, Frank, and Amanda I are mean, left on the blue team. And it'd, be, it'd go like Amanda, as far as I'd rank them, it'd go like Amanda, Jared, Chad, Frank, then Joe, as far as actual contenders go. But that's not really saying much, because I think Amanda has the best shot out of all of them. And Jared has... Not much of a shot at all. I mean, that's the thing with Jared is, yeah, they're making fun of him. I'm like, I don't know if really any winner has been like made fun of that much. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I know. Me, I once again speaking from my only set sample, but like, I know Megan from last season. She was made fun of a bit by the edit because, like, after like six or seven episodes of her being praised as a good leader, it was like, um, will the power go to Megan's head? And then it's sort of like a sort of edit because of her doing that evil laugh. Like Ariel got this episode. I mean, distorted evil, the distorted evil demons laugh. Yeah, but that really didn't really come to fruition into the actual show, which is a different... It's like the previews are their own little shows. Yeah, then, true. Yeah. They're supposed, to build up, they're supposed to build it up, and the facts are merely footnotes. They're supposed to sell it. I yeah. mean, if 
the previews are always right, then we would have a lot more chefs going to the hospital and a lot more places burning down. True. Anyway, we have our we have our next food prediction and we have our winner prediction. So uh, that's all for this time. Thanks for listening to our Yes Chef Hell's Kitchen recap podcast. Join us next week as we dissect the next episode of Hell's Kitchen. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover the next episode of the podcast, feel free to contact us via our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, or our Twitter page, at RTV Warriors, or contact either of us via our own Twitter accounts, at HeatherShort17, and at IncwanY. Until next week, may all your chips be plentiful, and may all your sweat be out of the frying pan. See you then.